voice to lift up his name, to praise him, and to sing. I sing the goodness.
Of all the scriptures that are in the Old Testament, the one that most people can relate to the best is the 23rd Psalm. It was one of the very first scriptures that I learned as a child uh, that we were encouraged to memorize in Sunday school. Of the 150 Psalms, it is certainly the most well-known. And I have found it to be a valuable piece of Scripture to use in ministry, especially in times of um, people who are in the last days of life. I'm often called to, to visit with people who are in the final days or hours of life. And I know of no better Scripture to share with them than the 23rd Psalm. It seems to bring a sense of peace to both the person and their family. Uh, most of the time, if I'm doing a funeral and we get to the graveside, I will use the 23rd Psalm. But this Psalm is much more than a Psalm for those who are dying or grieving. It is a Psalm for life. Because it teaches us so much in six verses it really describes in great detail the kind of relationship that God seeks to have with us. So let's just take some time, and, and I want to walk through this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, that's a little more updated rendering of it. I learned it out of the old King James Bible, because when I was a kid, that's the only Bible you had. Can you imagine that? I, I grew up in a time where there was one translation of the Bible, King James. I don't know how many there are now, dozens and dozens. And so some of the wording I may use when I talk about it varies somewhat from that because I'm still locked into pretty much my old way of saying it that I memorized as a child. That first verse kind of sets the context for the whole thing about how much God loves and cares for us. The Lord is my shepherd. Now the only problem I have with that is if I say the Lord is my shepherd, it is implying that I am a sheep. And of all the animals in the animal kingdom that I could be, sheep is pretty far down on the list. 
You know, some Native American um, religions think that every person has a spirit animal that you can relate to. And there are actually tests that you can take to identify what your spirit animal might be. I've never done it. First of all, because I don't really believe in spirit animals. But second of all, I'm afraid what the answer is going to be. I really am not going to be happy if I take this test and find out that my spirit animal is the duck-billed platypus. Or, or, you know, an aardvark. Or something like that. I just, I'm not sure I could handle it. So I'm not even going to find out. You know, if, uh, sometimes I... I go to retreats and things and they'll have this kind of get acquainted thing and one of the questions will be if you could be any animal what would you be I'm thinking lion eagle a bear I could see being a bear I'm told sometimes I'm grouchy as a bear maybe even an elephant I like elephants but a sheep, not so much. But I understand that the Bible often uses the word sheep to describe our spiritual condition. Uh, Matthew said this, uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the Old Testament prophet Zechariah said, the people wander like sheep, oppressed for lack of a shepherd. It, it's talking about our spiritual condition in the way that we seek to relate to God, that when we are left to ourselves in our sinful human nature, we are like sheep. We're helpless. We're clueless. We're directionless. See, sheep are fairly timid creatures. They're very vulnerable creatures. And they really do need a shepherd. They need leadership in order to thrive and survive. And the same is true of us. We need a shepherd when it comes to our relationship with God. David knew firsthand the role of a shepherd. He was one. So it's not surprising that when he wanted to talk about our relationship with God, he would put it in terms of a shepherd. It would seem that a shepherd's primary responsibility is to be with the sheep. You can't shepherd from a distance. You can't just go out in the morning and throw open the gate of the pen and say, Sheep, be gone. Come back at 6 o'clock, okay? Okay. They'd go out and wander all over the place and get lost and get hurt and get eaten. Shepherding requires personal presence. You have to lead them out. You have to lead them back in. You have to guide them where you want them to go. And so the first thing he's telling us is the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord has a loving personal presence with us. I think far too many people think of God as kind of out there somewhere, some 
distant cosmic being that's unknowable and unreachable. But that's exactly why Jesus came into the picture, to let us know that God is none of those things. Emmanuel, God with us. Now the second part of that verse says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Or this one said, I shall lack for nothing. There are versions of it that say, I shall not want. And that's the one I grew up learning. Oh, he changed it. Okay. Very good. See how good he is? He, boom, changed it right around. Yeah, this is what I learned. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what the problem with that is? I want. Has there ever been a time in your life when you haven't wanted something? I haven't. You come out of the womb wanting. <laughs> I want to be held. I want to be hugged. I want to be fed. The two first words that I think children learn are no and want. <laughs> I want. We want. We live in a world that wants us to want. <laughs> Just about every advertisement you will see is to create want. Oh, I want that. If you really want it, you go, I need that. You know, that's supposed to make it a stronger want. So the Lord is my shepherd, but I still want. So is there something wrong with me? Well, there is, but... That's why I think that word in is important. In, in like the NIV version and some of the others, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in want. Or as the other translation said, I will lack nothing. God will give us what we need when we need it. You will not be in want if you put your hope and trust in the Lord, but you will want. But one of the things he helps us to do is to sort out what's truly important in life. The things I want from the things I should want as a child of God. Then the next four verses kind of outline how he provides for us and what he provides for us. Uh, you can't just let sheep go and say, go find you some food and water. They will find it, but it might not be the right thing. There are plants that are dangerous for sheep to ingest. It can make them sick or even kill them. And it's the shepherd's responsibility to guide them out and say, oh, no, we can't graze over here. That's not, so oh, look at this. Green pastures. This is where you're going to have your, your breakfast. And then he leads them to still waters. 
Sheep are not always the smartest creatures. And if the only water available to them is like rushing water, they will get down close and try to drink it. And they can easily fall in and get washed away. So it's the shepherd's responsibility to find still water. Green pastures and still water. In other words, to provide for them what is best for them. And that's what God seeks to do for us. If it was left to this world, it will feed us a diet of spiritual junk food. There are so many ways that people are trying to relate spiritually to whatever they understand God to be. But it doesn't work because God has provided the way to relate to them, the path to him through his son Jesus Christ. And all the things that we create and do on our own are just bad food and bad water. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The things of God are what I need in my life. What kind of a diet is your soul on? Do we feast at the Lord's table? Do we fill ourselves with his word? Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he'd spent 40 days and 40 nights without eating? Can't even imagine it. And then the devil appears to him and says, hungry, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> says, you know, you have the power to like pick up a rock and go, croissant. <laughs> Jelly. <laughs> you know, you have the power to do that. And when I, when I was a kid and I read that, I go, well, what's the problem? You better believe if I'm hungry and I have the power to pick up a rock and go Snickers bar, I'm going to do it. So why couldn't Jesus? Well, it wasn't that he would make food for himself. It was that he would begin to use his power for his own purposes. See, one thing Jesus never did, and you can read through the Gospels to verify this, he never used his power, his ability. He never used his relationship with God for his own purposes. He was constantly saying, I'm here to do the will of my Father. And everything I have is focused around the will of my Father. And Satan was trying to derail him. And that's what this world seeks to do. It tries to derail us. Say, you want to believe in God? That's great. Why not? There are many ways you can seek God. And many ways you can understand God. Well, there really aren't. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. There's only one shepherd. Jesus, at one point, and I believe it's in John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. And he gave two reasons. I'm the good shepherd because I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. There are false shepherds who would come along. There are people who wanted to steal sheep, and they would come to the sheep pen before the true shepherd got there. And they would open the pen and say, come on, sheep. Let's go out to pasture. And the sheep would just stand there and go, uh-uh. We don't know you. 
We don't know who you are. We don't trust you. I mean, sheep may not be the smartest creatures in the world, but they're smart enough to know who to follow. And that's the shepherd. And Jesus said, we need to be that way too. He said, I know you, and I need you to know me. And then he went on to say, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The true shepherd will not run from danger. If a wolf comes along and tries to steal one of the sheep, the shepherd doesn't go, okay, I got plenty more. No, he steps in between the wolf and the sheep with his rod and his staff, and he says, you're not, you're not eating sheep today. If, if thieves should come and try to steal them, he's not going to let them go. He's going to fight for those sheep because they're his. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. The Lord is my shepherd. That is such a rich statement that means so much about our relationship with him. He restores my soul. I like that. You know, there are a number of, of television shows today about restoring things. You can restore old houses. You can restore old cars. You can restore old furniture. You know, you can even restore old people. There's all these products out there to, to make somebody who's 70 look 50 again. Or at least that's the claim. Restoration means to make new, to, take, to fix that which is broken, to re revitalize that which is worn out, to give something the appearance of newness. And that's what God does for us. Living in this world, I don't know about you, it wears me out. It beats me up sometimes. Uh, Greg said it. He said, this world is just full of evil. And as a child of God, it just is so hard sometimes to go from day to day to day in this evil world. And you just get worn down in spirit and weary in soul. And God says, I I'm going to restore your soul. Turn to me. Turn to my word. Talk with me in prayer. Come to me in worship. Let me revitalize you, your spirit. It just echoes the words of Jesus. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It was the shepherd's responsibility to see that the sheep had a place to rest and could be at peace. And our shepherd does the same. And then there's the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. One of the number one fears people have is of death and dying. And the shepherd promises us that in our time of need... And it's not just death as final death. It can be the death of a relationship. It can be the death of a dream. There are many ways we die in this life. 
And then there's the ultimate death. And I think the most important word in the whole psalm may be the word through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You notice he doesn't say, yea, though I enter into death, as if that's the end of the journey. No, he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is not the end of life. Death is merely a place of transformation. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 talked about this. He said the mortal must put on the immortality and the perishable must put on the imperishable. And when that happens, the saying that is written shall come to, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when I do funerals and I read that verse, I tell the people, I know you don't feel victorious right now. You feel like death has won the battle. But that's only an illusion. All death gets to claim is this. And personally, I'm not that attached to this. <laughs> I could let this go. Because I have something far better waiting for me. And the good shepherd will lead us through that valley of the shadow of death. Whatever it may be. Whatever we're dealing with. It, in a similar place he goes on to say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I always wondered what, what, what's that got to do with anything. All of a sudden we're talking about setting a table. And I'm going to sit down with my enemies. I don't know about you. I'm not inviting them. <laughs> I'm not inviting them to dinner. Unless we're having tuna casserole. <laughs> Help yourself. <laughs> or raisins. No, when he says, I prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, he, that follows on the heels of, I'm not going to fear any evil. He's saying, I'm with you. Whatever your enemies are, whatever death you may face in your life, you know I'm going to be right there with you. I'm at the table with you. My love, my joy, my peace is going to be with you. That's what he sets his table with. He said, in the presence of your enemies, you don't have to be afraid because I'm there. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runs over. Anointing was a symbol of blessing. When it was time for a new king, they would be anointed to receive God's blessing and the blessing of the people. When a person was being sent out for a special purpose, they would be anointed to have the blessing of God and the blessing of the people. And God is saying, as you live your life in this world, 
I anoint you. I give you my blessing. Until the end. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The sheep don't stay out in the pasture. You lead them out, but eventually you lead them back in. You take them home where they'll be safe and secure. That day will come when the good shepherd will lead us home. Oh, the path takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. But remember, we go through it. We don't stop there. We don't linger. And the end result is we spend eternity with him. And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good life for a sheep. Let us pray. God, I thank you for this wonderful piece of Scripture, these six verses that are so rich and full of meaning for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the loving care that you give us as our shepherd. Forgive us when we are disobedient sheep, when we are wayward sheep. There are times that we insist on running off and following our own path and finding our own food and water and doing things our own way, and inevitably we get in trouble. But I thank you that even though we may abandon you as our shepherd, you do not abandon us as your sheep. You come after us, and you bring us home. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
been through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go.